During the pandemic, healthcare was disrupted not only by the COVID-19 disease, but traditional patient care was upended. With new technologies continuing to emerge, it is becoming easier and easier to visit the doctor without ever leaving your home. But the new version of house calls does not involve the doctor coming to your home. Instead, technologies like telemedicine and virtual reality are changing the game. On this episode of WMD, I will be talking with two of my students from the cybersecurity program here at York College of Pennsylvania, George Papagiorgio and Paige Reinhardt, and we will explore emerging technology and the healthcare industry. Welcome to WMD, George and Paige. Good to be back, Dr. Schwartz. Good to be back. And Paige, I think this is your first time doing this, right? It is my first time. Okay, so let's, even though George has been here before, our listeners may or may not remember who you are. Um, So why don't you each introduce yourself? Because Paige, why don't you start? Okay. Uh, My name is Paige Reinhardt. I am a junior here at your College of Pennsylvania with a cybersecurity management major and a business analytics minor. And yeah. And I'm George Papagiorgio, a senior cybersecurity management major here at York College. And, and you're about to graduate. Yeah, kind of crazy. Right. It is. It, it is because I've known you both since like the beginning of your careers. And, yeah. And and we've ridden through the pandemic together. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, we have. For that sure. Was a fun time. <laughs> yeah. So the pandemic, right? We we all had to learn how to go to school during the pandemic, and. You're going to talk about how we all learned how to begin going to the doctor during the pandemic, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. And um, we're taking, they're taking my emerging technology class. And Mm -hmm. one of the technologies we've been discussing is augmented reality and virtual reality and mixed reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you guys want to focus in your conversation today. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So start us out. Where do you, where do you want us to ground ourselves? So... When we originally had this conversation in class and we were talking about the technologies, I had brought up PTSD and how AR and VR can help people that suffer from that to sort of be more calm and ways to focus in on how to control um, when they have like a PTSD episode or a feeling, Mm -hmm. those feelings that they would feel because not everyone is the same with PTSD. Some people... They experience it once every so often. Others, they can experience it daily. It just depends on what you've been through and what kind of triggers your PTSD. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I found was, I think it was in California, that there was a doctor's office that actually specialized in fully immersive vocal and visual things through AR and VR that kind of submersed the entire like brain into different radio waves and pictures that helped calm down the brain. And so they actually would see the, in the clinical trials, they would see the patient, how they would react to certain stimuli, stimuli, yep. And then they programmed it or they just uploaded it to their phone so that when they had a PTSD or when they were experiencing PTSD that day, Mm -hmm. they could pull out their phone, they could just hold it up to their eyes and it would immerse them enough to recall that feeling and help calm them down and help ease the PTSD. So you could have it anywhere as long as your phone was with you. So that's really interesting because that's a different application than I've heard about myself. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things we know is that memories can be re-scripted. I remember working on that with my daughter when she had, um, she's adopted and she had a memory of being, she, she was very young and she was having nightmares of being left somewhere and abandoned. 
And so the two of us spent about a week talking every night about the fact that, yes, that had really happened because she was abandoned. She she was left on the steps in in China somewhere. And so she does have some sort of deep seated memory of that. Um, but we also talked about the fact that life continued after that moment. And 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 the way I worked on it with her, because she was three at the time, was we talked about the fact that if you watched the movie Cinderella and it ended right where the evil stepsisters shred her dress at the bottom of the stairs, who would watch that movie, right? Yeah. But the movie continued on and there was improvement in, in mm-hmm. Cinderella's experience and it had a happy ending. And so we we talked about, okay, so what happened after that? And so we had to add to the memory to to remind the part of her that had that that memory of being abandoned and the fear that after that happened, then this happened and this other thing happened. Now we were in the process of living happily ever after. Um, So one of the things that I've seen AR and VR used for is um, helping helping um, soldiers to to relive the experience in a safe environment. Is that is that something you guys have read about? Did you? I did read about that, and that's been really showcased in a lot of TV shows, how people can relive it. But, oh. um, but just in general, with them doing that um, in a hospital scenario where they are in a controlled environment, it is really helpful for them to... Um, relive that so that they can see, oh, maybe something wasn't my mistake. Maybe they're living with survivor's guilt. Um, They can relive that scenario and kind of... And they can look at the lack of options and see that they actually had done everything. That they could, exactly. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the one episode from Grey's Anatomy where they had... Mm-hmm. The AR and the VR, because I anytime we talk about healthcare in class, I always bring it back to Grey's Anatomy. Because well, it was you so, watch Grey's Anatomy, but so do I. So it was so like Grey's Anatomy. Of, it was so out of the ordinary. Like back when those episodes would like air, mm-hmm. and then like as time goes on, I'm like, this can actually happen, and like we're seeing it. So when we were talking about like 3D printing as well, like mm-hmm. they 3D printed, I think, an artificial like artery or something. They just did it the other night on Grey's Anatomy with an artificial vertebrae. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's and, crazy to see like, and it s- wasn't artificial. It was a 3D printed 3D vertebrae printed. with stem cells, with stem cells that were injected by the patient, and then they were going to yep. put it in the neck, and then that would allow the bone to grow around it. And because it was the patient's own stem cells and stuff, it was going to not. Be, it, it was would not be lower, lower risk yeah. of rejection. I yep. need to get up to date with my Grey's Anatomy. I'm missing out. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it was just it's eye opening when you see that in like a TV show, and you're like, wow, that would be actually cool if they could actually do this. And you're reading about it and seeing like news stories that it's actually happening. Mm-hmm. It it wakes you up because it's different to hear about it in class or learn about it in class versus like seeing it with your own eyes or in a fictional context or hearing testimonials by actual like patients that have had this happen Mm -hmm. to them and have had it like help them. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that I read about was PTSD and children that were involved in school shootings. Ah, talk to me about that. So obviously when younger children see fear different ways and they um, not accept fear, they they just have different emotion, different levels of ranges of emotions and intensity. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if something when you're younger, that stuff scars you more yes, than I think being an adult and experiencing that level. If if Those you get if you trauma, get what I'm saying, they scar you no matter what age you are. Yeah, but yeah. just to be younger and not have like your mom or dad around when this mm-hmm. is happening, you're not being in a safe spot. So again, yeah. the AR and the VR 
they offer it to kids as a kind of like escape. So in school, they might have these VR, AR goggles. And if they're seeing that a student's not quite there, they're having some type of episode or something like that. They can give it to the student, give them like a five, 10 minute like recess break for them to try to, you know, bring them back and not have as many issues or as many like troubled some like days like at school. And Paige, what do you want to add to that? I mean, that's really interesting. I think it's a big part um, just for all ages, period. Yes, it can be great for their PTSD, but it can also be great just for learning new things and being surrounded by things that they maybe can't get on the day to day. So to be able to have that and so what kind of a thing would they would they get from VR that they can't get from an ordinary classroom? Like if they had VR capability in their classroom. Do you remember when you found the news story about the museum that does the AR and the VR? Yeah. That would be coin classes. Exactly. Um, And I know there was like something else that came up, but it's basically where they're giving these kids the opportunity to sit at their desk and like go into the world where they are learning from. So it could be the 1970s. It could be um, just learning about different animals and going into Africa and actually petting them. Like, it's something different that they're allowed to do. And the fact that we can give them this opportunity to live in it and not just read the books, because that's kind of boring, because no kid, a lot of kids have trouble just reading it and remembering it. I'm a visual learner. I like to actually physically see stuff, go out there and do it. So be more hands-on. And I think that's a plus that our education system can get. So so the concept of a virtual field trip and, and being able to take field trips to somewhere other than, right, we can... From York, we might if you you might go to the Gettysburg battlefield and go to on a field trip there, but it's still not the same as comprehending what Gettysburg would have been like when there were horse-drawn carriages and dirt roads, and yeah. I think there was over a there was a couple hundred thousand people there, which is way more people than are, are in Gettysburg even on a big big week holiday weekend, um, and and your idea of going to the 1970s, right? There's there's a whole lot of context that can be gained from going into an immersive environment that can surround you with what it might have been like. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I'm going to do a little plug for the the new Gettysburg Adams County Museum, which is opening, might be this weekend, I'm not sure. Um, But they have an immersive exhibit in the museum where when you go in there, you can imagine and feel sort of be immersed in what it would have been like to be inside a house at Gettysburg during the battle and you'll hear the gunshots and you'll feel the walls shake and, and things like that. So this is a new new exhibit at uh, that's opening up um, brand new museum that the Adams County Arts Council is opening in Gettysburg with that kind of an experience. And I think that's something that we miss nowadays. Like we read all these things. We get to see it all in the textbooks and even just at college, but we don't get to live it. And I think that's kind of special mm-hmm. that Gettysburg is being able to do that so that people can still go there, do field trips and learn stuff and are able to be immersed in all of that. It yeah. kind of makes you like realize what actually like you can read about like mass genocide or war in a textbook. But if you're living it or seeing it through AR or VR, well, it you, gives it a whole new meaning. And and you might need to be careful about how realistic you make that, right? Yeah. Because what's the risk if, if you do a really good job? What's the risk? What did we start with? What did we start with? PTSD and <laughs> other <laughs> right. dress yeah. from it. Yeah. Right. Can you can you imagine being so creating a, a virtual field trip so students could learn what something was like and then you wind up creating trauma for your students? You make yeah. it so good. And, and we laugh it's about so that because that we laugh about that because it's hard to imagine teachers doing that on purpose. 
but it, that's the kind of mistake, right? One of the things we always talk about in our classes is, okay, what what this would be really cool, but what's the flip side? What's the ethical challenges that are created when we allow ourselves to be in something like that? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to shift to talking about other applications besides PTSD and learning, okay? Mm -hmm. yep. All right, we'll be right back. I'm still here in the studio with George and Paige, and we are talking about augmented reality and virtual reality and applications of this in the healthcare industry. So we started with PTSD. What are some of the other applications that we've discussed in class? Do you want to go first or should I? You can go first. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about surgery and practicing surgery through the virtual reality world. Mm -hmm. So again, I saw this on Grey's Anatomy, mm -hmm. but it's actually happening out there. Um, you put on like these gloves that also have sensors on it and you have the headphones on for the VR and you practice within like a fake dummy simulation where like a tumor is and cutting it open and trying to work your way around it. And all the tools that you would use in a normal surgery, same thing, are have like that sensors around it. Mm -hmm. So it's very meticulous and it's down to, I think the millimeters, what I read that it can get down to. So it actually makes good for if you're practicing like a once in a lifetime tumor that's mm -hmm. somewhere that has never been seen before, or worked on before, or operated on before. You actually can practice Mm -hmm. multiple times to make sure that your technique is better than what it was before yeah. to make sure the surgery goes well. And so Paige, let's pick up where George is talking about this practicing and seeing things before you actually open up the patient. Mm -hmm. We call that digital reflection. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the advantages of being able to see your patient in a digital reflection versus when they're physically lying on your table? What What is an advantage of, of the VR piece? You get to hit that redo button. You get to... Um, not only hit that redo button and start over and not risk someone's life, but you're also getting the opportunity to um, do the procedure and see it in as many views as you need to. If you need to move the um, body or move it at an angle that you probably wouldn't be able to get in a normal situation with an actual human body when they're under um, the medications. But with this, you are and you're allowed to see everything and you can get a full picture of if it is a tumor or if it is... Um, a cyst or something that is an unusual spot that you need to take care of. And that is very risky. It allows you to see where all of it is connected. And I think in Grey's Anatomy, I think they also did look at the, um, they look in, or it was another TV show, but they went to see how it was all connected to like the vertebrae or something. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of cool because then you got to see the whole picture like, oh, it actually continues past where we thought originally that we had to cut. So it gives them also an advantage to see, okay, has it spread? Do we need to change our procedure? Do we need to open up somewhere else? Is it more critical here than it is somewhere else? So, Right. So in, in if, you were, if the patient was lying on the table before we had the ability to do something like a digital reflection, you would open up the patient's chest and you would see what was in front of you. And maybe your scans would have given you some views, but mm -hmm. This allows you to actually take, right, the, the digital reflection and flip it over upside down, right? You're not going to flip the patient's heart upside down in the middle of their body yeah. while you're working on them. That's just not going to happen. And so this, this allows you to make a plan, right? Okay, I can see from this picture what's going to what, what's going on. 
So now I know when I'm actually in the physical space to feel for and and sense where those things are. I know where to look with my hands, right? Because I can't see through the solid mass that's the body. Yeah. yeah, so that's kind of a really interesting application. What are some other things that we can do in healthcare? Well, I was going to say before we move on, okay. um, going do. from VR, because I always think of like virtual reality being the first stepping stone and then moving to augmented reality and doing okay. that immersive, mm -hmm. you know, the holograms, the holographic, um, mm -hmm. just twisting your hand and the picture, the hologram twists with you. Mm -hmm. So kind of being able to do that and not even having to wear uh, eye, like the goggles or anything. You can be in a room filled with people with multiple doctors and you can just all kind of examine it there without having to actually wear or without having to wear the goggles. And so so what would that. you wear? And you would have to wear something, right? Because you're not going to augment your your environment well they actually are coming up with glasses that you can there wear you even blue light um that have that so you can also view the patient if they did have an x-ray or an mri and be able to just see that yourself and look around so that's kind of interesting so so the original vision of google glasses yeah right and that would that technology was not quite ready when it when it was introduced so it kind of went back on the shelf to to mature over time and but we're starting to get towards that point right this idea of of augmented reality by and so you wouldn't need to be wearing the big giant headset that blocks the whole world from you but instead what what would that do by wearing those google glasses that they would do what it could also uh it would overlay it would explain like how it overlay over, yeah what would it overlay talk to me about it what would it overlay you could do so i think of it like the car's heads up display yes going back to again like transportation mm -hmm. stuff like that it's just a layer. So if you're walking and you have the directions like on your Google glasses, you know, it could just be a little icon in the top right of like your eye or what you would see just saying like, keep going forward and arrow just telling you keep going yeah. forward. And then the rest of it would just be normal glasses like you just right. or it could be a simple line day. on the road that you just, yeah. you know, like you see those uh, tourist paths where there's a red stripe on the ground and you follow the red stripe, your glasses would produce that red yep. stripe for you and you would just follow it. Yep along yeah so augmented reality is this this overlay of digital artifacts enhancements over top of what we're looking at around us so how would that work in medicine what do you think what would that what would that look like in a surgery for example what kind of things might the augmented reality create because there's two two ways that we could go about surgery using this right one is we could it we could use augmented reality to have access to images and stuff without having to pull them out and move them mm -hmm. around and flip through the screens that are up on the wall. The other way would be to to connect augmented or virtual reality with robots, right? Mm -hmm. And so what if we if we were to connect VR with robots, what would that allow to happen from a surgical perspective? having robots perform surgery on people and having the doctors be across the world, really. Right, yeah. Mm. So this would give people in communities that are very uh, remote access, right? Even they've talked about the possible, one of the things that I've seen on TV was they did a, a surgery and it might've been Grey's Anatomy or it may have been some other show, medical show, um, but they did surgery on somebody up on the space station 
using augmented augmented reality in conjunction with robotics. It was an experiment. It, it, they had put it up there experimental and they hadn't experimented with it yet. And then, of course, oh, there's a crisis Something and we happens, actually yeah. have it. So, so we're going to test it live <laughs> yeah. as they do on, on so many Hollywood versions of this stuff. But. but I think that's exactly like, and that's where we are right now in the healthcare industry with that type of technology is we're still mm-hmm. testing it out and seeing. Because, I mean, we're talking about people's lives and mm-hmm. when you're actually doing it, if the simulation goes wrong or if the virtual reality is off by a couple centimeters, millimeters, you know, this could be the patient's life. And when you go to open them and you're ready and you've practiced and you go in and it's not the same that you've been practicing with, you can't just keep closing and opening the body until you're ready to finally perform the surgery. So, Well, and and what are some of the other technologies that need to catch up before we would even think it was safe because because data exchange right what's one of the problems that happens when you watch a live stream movie if you don't have great great networking it lags it lags and do you want that happening in the middle of a surgery based on an augmented reality robotic setup no you don't and and so if something were to go wrong in that kind of a setting what what would who would be liable what do you think Exactly. Who would be liable? Is it the manufacturer? Is it the manufacturer? Is it the the hospital that uses it? The doctor? (laughs) Is it Verizon? (laughs) Is it yeah, the internet provider? Or Comcast? Or (laughs) honestly, I think it could go either way. I think there could be a case for everything if that family wanted to ever. If someone was to pass, yeah, yeah, it's definitely. I'd hate to be the one signing that that you know, when they give you you there's a risk you could die yeah. right that form. <laughs> Can you imagine all of the stuff that's going to be in there that you're signing away when you yeah. when you decide you're willing to be that. the first person to have that practiced on? Yeah, I, I would yeah. imagine we would practice that on dummies first for a very long time. I would very hope. long anyway. Time. Hopefully, yeah. So crazy. All right, so let's go back to something that might be a little less. Uh, <laughs> sci-fi-ish and and just talk about house calls should do you think that we will go to the to your gp your general practitioner face to face if this world evolves what do you think um i think for some people they just feel more comfortable seeing someone face to face they are more comfortable with going to the doctor and i know that does pose a risk especially with covid that did come up but i know they're still you know taking those safety precautions but in the end i think some people are always going to feel more comfortable going into an office but i know nowadays people are getting used to the fact with same with going to meetings same with going to school i could do it over zoom i could do it telemarket like i could show them what my problem is or talk about anything mental health related and I'd be good to go. And yeah, so so telemedicine has really took off during the pandemic, telemedicine. Um, have you had any telemedicine appointments since the pandemic? I haven't. No, I have not. I haven't. But as but where what space is telemedicine taking off right now? It's in in uh, abortion care, right? Because if you're in states that yes, have outlawed states, telemedicine, yeah is becoming a way to access care providers outside of your state who have different laws. Yeah. And so this is this is an interesting interesting development, right? This this telemedicine for for various types of care. Um but imagine a virtual reality doctor's office where you and your doctor log on and you've you've got your 
iPhone that's your 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 i your your Apple your Watch, Watch or yeah. your Fitbit or whatever your device is of choice is that you've hooked up, and maybe you've got an insulin pump, and maybe you've got a internet connected pacemaker, maybe you're wearing a um, any number of devices that are that monitor you, or maybe your your doctor sends you a particular set of monitor. You know, there's a home monitoring kit that you you put on all the the gigaws <laughs> before your appointment and then you pop into to your virtual reality space and see the doctor that's kind of a weird thought but not totally impossible right no not at all yeah. not at all and so do you think that would take off as a as a business model what do you think i think it's possible i kind of think of it and as who like do you DoorDash. Think would be interested in it i kind of think of it as doordash okay. is that whole like efficiency aspect of it. So for the doctor's office, that would be very efficient. You don't have to, you could have less staff on site. You don't need to pay as many uh, janitorial staff to clean. You don't need to have as many nurses in the actual building. But at the same time though, as a patient, if you want to go in and you want to see your doctor, mm -hmm. it's just one of those that I could see it grow, but not everyone will end up mm -hmm. using it. Right. So it I, I kind of could picture it being not where you go with general practitioners unless you're homebound, but I could definitely see that taking off for specialists, mm. right? Because what would be the advantage of that? You don't have to, you don't have to travel, right. you don't have no. to pay for the, like if you're trying to go to one in a million doctor across the world, you right. don't have to pay for that airfare, the car, the hotels, yeah. and a lot of people are less Travel medicine, so. <laughs> right? Because yeah. the travel medicine industry has picked up and this would be a way to like exactly. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So any last thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? You're on the air. Watch Grey's Anatomy. Watch Grey's Anatomy. Watch, it covers a lot of this. It covers a lot of this. The good doctor. New Amsterdam. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, and that is that there was actually a whole show and it, it didn't last for very long, but it was um a it was in San Francisco. It was actually a tech a tech guy a tech guru had set up an entire hospital using every possible technology that could i can't remember the name of it it only lasted for like half it was one of those half season shows that just never took off but oh. it it really proposed a, it had this command center and it was predictive patient care so, so uh, patients who had joined it were wearing various types of watches or monitors and so it was beginning to anticipate when patients went into distress and it was a really interesting vision of what oh. healthcare could be yeah, I'll have definitely. to look it up. Okay. Well, if you are going to see the doctor in your living room with a headset on, I think it's safe to say we're in the VUCA mountains. <laughs> so <laughs> instead of letting the lava carry you away, get out of your canoe, lace up your boots, and use your paddle as a walking stick. We'll see you next time on WMD. Thank you for listening to WMD, Weapons of Mass Disruption podcast. This podcast is produced by Dr. Tamara Schwartz and edited by me, Chris Perez. All rights reserved to Dr. Tamara Schwartz, and you may access this podcast free of charge on any of your preferred platforms or by visiting us at lamrai.com. That is L-L-A-M-R-A-I.com.